BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Okay, welcome to another episode of Side Hustlers Podcast. I am not in a studio. I'm in a, I guess, a storage closet of some sort, hanging out in Hoboken, New Jersey with my friends, John and Steve. Say hi, guys. Hello. That was Steve. That's John. Okay. So they, and you've probably seen me post about them before, heard me or even Anthony talk about them before. They are the creators, the masterminds behind Roosevelt's RSVLTS.com because fuck vowels. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's kind of our mantra. You guys have created this. I don't even know what to explain it as. I didn't even know you guys when you started this, and that's why I'm excited to get your story, but the two of you have created this giant company out of, I don't want to say nothing, but really, you started from the ground up. You have this sick office in Hoboken, New Jersey. You have people working for you. So I guess explain what Roosevelt is now, and then we're going to get into the entire story. Okay, Go, I Steve. guess I can take Steve, it. Steve, you got this. Um, yeah, Roosevelt's is an apparel brand. We're based in Hoboken, New Jersey. We started as a marketing company doing campaigns for different brands. And kind of as a side gig to that marketing company, we started making some t-shirts with our logos on it. And I think, you know, the long and short of it is, you know, we started seeing names come across as sales that we didn't recognize, not family and friends. And I think at that moment we knew there was a business there. And I think ever since that you know, time, we've evolved into a pretty decent sized apparel brand. But you guys didn't start as that. What did you guys originally start as? Uh, so summer of 2010, I think, uh, Steve was the director of marketing for kind of an online slash seasonal print magazine called Coed. And I had actually lost my job from like the 2008 recession. I was right out of school, had a sick job as a junior art director. And after the recession hit and the company went under, I lost my job and I started doing demolition, like real, <laughs> real handsy Crazy. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was working for co-ed at night and, um, you know, just doing like freelance stuff, doing a little bit of writing here and there, graphic design. Um, Steve and I had known each other just from from college. And one night, I think we were like drinking or something. We were just kind of like, hey, let's do something fun this summer. All right, let's do it. Like I have a flexible job now because I'm just knocking down walls all day. So let's figure it out. Let's make something happen. We, you know, threw some stuff up against the wall and... We both were huge baseball fans, and we decided to um, pitch a couple of 
different brands kind of an experiential marketing campaign that would send us across the country to every single baseball stadium. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it's been done before. So then we tried to figure out how do we make yeah, this how has, do we make this cool. It's Mind been, you, we had no idea what we were doing. Exactly. Yeah, it's been done before by companies. Decks right. And like all this stuff, hitting people up cold calling like Volkswagen because we thought it'd be a cool road trip idea. They're like, no, see, this is a driving challenge. And, you know, if you crash or something, we're going to be super liable for that. So I think the, the long and short of that is we we were winging the entire thing. Yeah, so then we we were doing everything under the co-ed umbrella just because we needed a platform for this right. campaign to live under. So then after uh, after a couple of failed pitches, we we found uh, the PR agency for Nokia at the time, the, the phone company, pitched them this cool idea that would send us across the country on this kind of like rat race style, 30 ballpark excursion. But the the caveat was we'd have to accomplish this in 30 days. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you know that there are 30 baseball stadiums and 30 teams in the MLB, so it would not be an easy feat. But after like two months of scheduling stuff out, we figured out that most of the teams that have two teams in, in one city, they don't play on the same day. So like the Yankees, for example, will play a four-game home stretch, and then they'll leave, and then the very next day, the Mets will have their four-game home stretch. Same thing with the Cubs and the White Sox. Same thing with the Dodgers and the Angels. So the trick was to try and get two games out of that region in, you know, one after the other, and then kind of drive around that specific region and hit, you know, nine or ten stadiums without having to fly, because we couldn't fly that much. But we somehow we did it. Probably should have died a few times. I never, I never wanted to eat another hot dog after going to 30 baseball stadiums in 30 days. And along the way, we had to actually do uh, various activities each, each stadium, like go up into the bleachers, uh, eat hot dogs at every stadium. We ranked and reviewed various aspects of each stadium. So you know, by the end of that trip. I think we were tired, sick, but I do think it was probably one of the coolest months we've ever had. You know, collectively, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done personally. Yeah. A, we got to see the whole country. B, there's nothing like a like a professional baseball stadium. There's nothing like it. You can argue, you know, football stadiums around the country are cool. You could argue, you know, different basketball arenas are cool. There's nothing as unique as a a, a baseball stadium. It has its own identity. They're all completely different. I mean, the 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 fields are different. The fields are completely different. They're different sizes. So, you know, some of these stadiums have been around for 100 years. Some of them ha- are, are brand new and are, are state-of-the-art. Uh, they all had different signature foods. And this is all stuff that we were writing about. So we would rank and review these stadiums and uh, make it more about the, the experience than about the actual baseball game. We would rank how easy it was to buy the cheapest ticket in the stadium and, and, and sneak down to the best seats. Obviously, we would rank every hot dog and then signature food and then, um, you know, just aesthetics of the stadium and, you know, what was a piece of shit and what was, you know, <laughs> like what stadium you need to hit before you die. Don't go to Oakland. <laughs> Sorry, never Oakland. Go to, yeah, never Terrible go to Oakland. Yeah. Based off of the story you're telling me now, I guess I never put this together. You guys really started with baseball. And where you're at now, I mean, I'd say you're the unofficial apparel of just baseball, baseball fans, really, at this point now in 2018. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of baseball players wearing our stuff. You know, a lot of things happened between Obviously. that, yeah. that uh, you know, amazing month that we had um, to where we are now. You know, I think our company's probably evolved four or five times since then. You know, we actually didn't even have a company at that point. We were working under the umbrella of a media company called Coed. But I think out of that um, experiential campaign that we produced for Nokia, it was it was kind of a light bulb went off. You know, the brand loved the idea. We were on ESPN and we did a ton of morning shows. And, you know, I th- I'm almost kicking ourselves now because we did it for, for next to nothing. Um, so I think we could have made more money out of it. But at the end of the day, you know, the brand saw great value in what we were doing and it was a, a wild success. And from there, they re-upped with us for another campaign the following summer. Uh, we started producing campaigns for other brands. And I think by the the following summer, John and I really knew that we might have stumbled upon a business model, you know, just out of the the idea of having fun this summer and what could we pitch to a brand and get them to like pay for. Basically, we went on an all expenses paid baseball trip across the country. We noticed that, you know, with the the emergence of social media around that time, um, it was a really cool way to interact with fans and the brand Nokia, I, I have to give them a lot of credit. You know, a lot of people said no to it, but they believed in the vision. They loved it. I think it was probably one of the coolest campaigns that they had done that entire year. Um, and from there, you know, like I said, we, we saw a business model, we kind of ran with it and, you know, started producing more of those campaigns for different brands. So you were producing campaigns, what, about a year later? Is that when you guys officially said, okay, let's make a company and let's call it Roosevelt's? 
Well, initially we kind of had to launch our own company. Um, and it was under, it was another company called Agency X. So that was more of like our marketing slash media company. And that was just almost just because we needed to create an LLC yeah. at that point. And then we were approached by, Roosevelt's actually came about, we were approached by another for another baseball campaign through Microsoft. A couple of years later, after we were producing these campaigns every other month or so, they hit us up and they said, oh, listen, we want to do something similar. We want to do like a bucket list campaign uh, where you do, you know, the, the, the most sought after stuff in, in the best baseball cities in America. But all the magazines that we were working with to kind of, put these campaigns to, to let these campaigns live under they were all kind of like maxim-esque i want to say like very girl heavy girl centric and microsoft is a very conservative brand so we really we didn't have we didn't have many options so we asked them if we can create more of a brand friendly pg-13 editorial site targeted toward men wow. and we didn't have a name for it. And they were like, yeah, sure. So we were scrambling and we were like, all right, uh, what do we call it? The Roosevelt was actually a, a campaign that we had kind of in our back pocket. Uh, and we were just kind of like waiting for the right brand to kind of align it with. And it just so happened we were like, all right, what, what if we call the magazine the Roosevelt? And they were like, yeah, that's awesome. You're, se you're selling them short. Like, this was insane. We pitched a new site. <laughs> we had zero content, zero idea what this was going to be. And just as a shot, shot in the dark, we threw a Hail Mary pass and said, well, you know, all these sites are a little too uh, gratuitous for your brand, but we're going to launch a site and... Well, yeah, it's Microsoft. Yeah, and they... Uh, not only did they love it and embrace it, they gave us almost basically startup capital to start this website. You know, they fully funded it for like the first six months just What's based up, Seattle? Off of yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so at that time, Steve was, was still at co-ed and we were kind of, we were doing these things it's too much. And it was like the writing was on the wall that, you know, he was going to have to leave soon. Um, and I was doing it full time when Steve left just trying to put together new pitch decks. So you weren't demoing walls anymore at this no, point? No, I think after the second campaign, I was like, you know what? I've, I've broken too many fingers. Uh, I'm not made out for this. Yeah, so Steve ended up quitting his job, and Microsoft gave us like three months runway to basically wow. create content. Like, we were not only putting together this insane bucket list that we were going to have to travel around the country for again, for like the fourth, the fourth time, I think, for the summer. But at that time, we were kind of, we were a little more acclimated to how, you know, travel, quick travel works. But we also had to create content. We were writing five, six articles per person per day. Jeez. Because by the time this went live, this had to seem like not only a legitimate site, but like we needed people to get a feel and a, and a vibe yeah. for what the Roosevelt was. So yeah, it was, I mean, but it was fun, you know, like we were writing, like we were writing every day, all day. And then we were creating this awesome campaign that we knew was going to come into fruition in, you know, a few months. And thank God we worked with the most awesome people at Microsoft yeah. that believed in us. And, and they really did. I mean, they gave us enough capital so Steve could really come on full time. We were still eating ramen every night, I think. Yeah. Uh, couple of years of, of ramen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the entrepreneurial journey, right? Right, yeah. So, um, but what? it happened and it worked out, you know, we, we, we accomplished our probably fourth or fifth campaign and, and from there it was just like, all right, off to the races. But, so you kept saying you had a campaign in your back pocket that was called the Roosevelt. What was that campaign originally? The, Ro the Roosevelt's was supposed oh, to be, yeah, it was still the Roosevelt's, but it was supposed to be a, um, kind of a an experiential club that we would invite influencers and, you know, men's lifestyle editors from Men's Health or GQ or Esquire, just because we ran in the, in the same circle right. of a lot of these, you know, PR agencies, brands, and, and editorial friends. So we said, all right, what we can do is we can end up maybe creating this, this club where we would give you, you know, like a, your own Roosevelt's card, and we would send you to Scottsdale, Arizona, under the umbrella of Bud Light and you'd spend a weekend there and you oh. would ride, ride dune buggies through like the Apache trails and go to a gun range or, you know, go hiking and go or go golfing. I don't know. And it would all be, you know, funded by Bud Light and there would be some sort of brand messaging attached to it. Uh, so that was the initial like back pocket wow. Roosevelt's club, but we were just kind of, you know, we had, we had probably 10 of these in, you know, in our archives of, all right, once we can align this brand with this cool campaign, we'll execute it. So the Roosevelt was just like something random and we just needed, we were scrambling to find a name for this magazine. 
Um, and then we were we tried to buy the Roosevelts.com. Yeah, what about because it's your website is RSVLTS. It doesn't spell out yeah. Roosevelts. Yeah. It kind of worked out. It worked out for the best. But uh, yeah, we tried to buy the Roosevelts.com, and some web shark owned it. <laughs> he probably owned it since the '90s, and. Uh, we were like, well, how much do you want for it? And he was just like, give me a price. We didn't have any money. We offered him like $1,000. We were like, we're throwing a Hail Mary pass at this point. And he was like, nope. We were like, all right, 1200 He was like, nah, not even close. Bye, guys. And that was it. Like, we, we, we didn't have enough money to buy it. So Steve had the idea to create, to basically remove the vowels and just make it R-S-B-L-T-S. Which at first was a little confusing, but it's weird because more and more brands are doing it now. Yeah, no, I've noticed that. And it's great because, like, this is just some, this is something you think about, like, in media, I guess. But you always own the, you know, with all these different social media platforms coming out, you always own, like, forward slash R-S-V-L-T-S, where right. someone else might own, like, you know, Facebook.com slash Roosevelt's. Yeah, no one's going to have, why would anyone have R-S-V-L-T-S? So what... Why did you, Steve, think of the screw the vowels thing? I honestly don't know. I, was, I remember it, though. I was crossing the street to go to the uh, deli by Manila, where we all used to live. And I was like, what are we going to do? Because this guy wants $25,000 for the Roosevelt's.com. And I was like, I don't even know where I would get $25,000 from. So, yeah, I think it was just, uh, you know, like you said, the writing was on the wall with kind of the age of social media really emerging then and seeing other brands kind of removing the vowels. And I was like, this could work. It's short. We have all the social here. I immediately fired up GoDaddy and saw it was available. I was like, all right, well, this is it. We talked about it, and I think we both agreed that it was uh, catchy, uh, almost incognito. Like, you see it, and you're like, well, what the hell is that? You know, I, I think uh, it was just a good situation for us to grab that. Listen, I lo- I'm a fan of that. I'm loving, really like, learning this out. story, though, too. It well, did. It was, it was Americana, too. Like, you know, I think the vision of the company was sort of at that time headed towards that Americana vibe. And I, I just think that was like our aesthetic and having Teddy Roosevelt kind of be our leader for the whole company made it seem... Well, we were kind of always, we were based on, our company was really founded on seeing the country. I mean, traveling across yeah. the yeah, country. Yeah. We've probably driven across the country four times collectively, you know, so... National um, Parks, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was that was... That's on our yeah, list. Really but... like one of the most badass Americans, and you know, being like a men at that time, we were a site for men too. And you know, I think it's it's something to aspire to. He, the guy's rustic and a traveler and an adventurer, and he just seemed like a good person to kind of base a content strategy around and have just a general mantra of adventure and seeing the world and uh, just doing good for the world too. I mean, he was a conservationist, and I think he just checked all the boxes in terms of somebody that we would aspire to. When I first met you guys, you were already selling. T- t-shirts it was like your basic stuff but you mainly had articles on your website so now you guys are opposite well actually so the way the apparel stuff kind of started and it's funny because our website our store website is still registered under stadium street tees which was like this first idea we had during the baseball campaign you know we'd walk around baseball stadiums and see people selling like these knockoff funny t-shirts outside stadiums we're like well If somebody lives in Seattle and they're a Yankees fan, how are they going to get this shirt that's only sold outside Yankee Stadium? You know, there's just no place to get these, like, really funny shirts Mm -hmm. um, across the country. So the original idea for, you know, doing apparel was to produce, like, just really funny sports sports T-shirts for people around the country that don't necessarily have access to the baseball stadiums in their hometown. So that that's how that idea started. And I guess from there, we wanted to just put our logo on some shirts to give them to family and friends. And, you know, we learned about Shopify and all this stuff. And we made our first round of shirts on custominc.com. And then we made a couple hoodies on custominc.com. And now I laugh because I'm like, I would never do that again. I mean, our business has evolved and changed so much since then. But at the time, it was a really good move for us. So, you know, we listed those shirts on Shopify and... You know, it didn't take off right away. I think we maybe made 20 shirts and sold 10 of them, and we probably still have some here uh, that we haven't sold. But that kind of kick-started the second wave of what our company became, which really allowed us to evolve into an apparel company. That was how that all started. So now, what are your roles within the company? Because you guys started, it was just like throwing things at the wall, see what happens. But you guys have completely different roles from each other. And I guess from what you started with too, a little bit, I guess kind of explain what each of your roles are for Roosevelt's. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do a lot of the logistics stuff. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, sourcing, um, handling the tariffs, I never ever thought, you know, if you asked me five years ago, if I knew anything about tariff 
rules or you know importing and exporting or how to set up a fulfillment company and now we have we're going on our third warehouse you know i just knew nothing about that so i guess my role is just to figure stuff out that that's <laughs> kind of what i do we're like okay we have an idea and i'm like all right i'll figure it out no, i got you're this good. you're yeah. like the ultimate googler I yeah feel yeah like i you just are. i had definitely have a knack for figuring things out and you know our our business is it, it's sometimes crazy because it's evolved slow and steady yeah you know we started at with a Shopify site without even a custom URL. And then we figured that out, how to get our URL. And then, you know, we were producing some other shirts and a couple of our shirts went viral. And we're literally, like, we're packing these shirts up for eight hours a day, hiring outside help, trying to do it in our small office at that point, which was basically my bedroom. Um, And we just couldn't do it anymore. So the next thing was, all right, well, how do we logistically figure this out? So then we figured out how to get a warehouse. So, yeah, I guess my role is just figuring stuff out and... (laughs) And I think that's a perfect title. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. think there, if, if you had a title, it would be like Problem Solver. Like yeah, there, it, it is just ass. like when, because we're, we're still new at this. I mean, as far as apparel production goes, I mean, we're, we're not like going to the local screen printer and getting 20 shirts made anymore. We're producing tens of thousands that's of units. That's insane to me. Um, guys, that's So crazy. we have to ship that stuff across the, uh, really across the world and, and, you know, figure out how much more expensive it is to ship air versus sea, oh um, and how lo- how far in advance we have to make these things. You know, like you, everybody knows, oh, Fashion Week is coming up in New York. Not that we're, we're Fashion Week <laughs> no. status, but no, no, you know no. what I mean. Like why people come out with their spring nineteen yeah. line now, and now it makes sense. Oh, because you know it, it's it's one tenth the shipping if they ship it, you know, in in July oh. and get it in the spring. But um, what is your, John, what is your role? Um, so Are you I guess fashion I'm, designer? Head fashion I'm, designer? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the Mugatu of the... <laughs> creative no, I guess director. Like creative, creative, yeah, yeah, creative director, I guess, would be my role. So I guess I'm in charge of most creative strategy, whether it's um, advertising, marketing, apparel design, pattern design, pretty much the facade of the company, which is really like, keep going toward like this iceberg reference, but it really is because... When I tell people that this is an apparel company, like it is, it really is, it's an apparel yeah. company now, but that's really just like the like the icing on the cake. That's what people think that we do, but it really is so much more. It's it's logistics, it's production, it's it's Social like the yeah, like everything. The engine. I think what we've what we do better than anyone else, and I will I, I will put us against any other agency. Is social advertising. Oh, social social, social advertising is, is so much better than anyone else. And I think that's why we're so successful is because your product is only as good as the people that see it. Figuring out audience pools and our target demos and, you know, who we can sell this stuff to and if there's even a market to sell it to. Uh, we don't really produce anything without knowing if there's an audience for it. Uh, and I think that's why it's we're true. very good at what we do. It's because, like, Steve's wearing our pizza shirt now. Yeah. Like, if there wasn't an audience for people who like pizza or want to wear pizza on their body, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't make the shirt. We're our, like, our clothes are always advancing and the cuts are always going to get better and the material's always going to get better. That's stuff that w- that's inherently going to progress. But the advertising. Advertising and marketing is, is really what we do better than anyone else. And it's the reason why we're able to... To really do what we do. I mean, uh, so many people want to start these like t-shirt companies and clothing companies, yeah. and you know it's great. I mean, people probably have better ideas than we do, but it really. I, I think our ideas are <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> but at but at our core, we're just I I really do like I have the utmost confidence that whatever we create, whatever we produce, we'll be able to figure out a person that wants to buy it. So what is I guess speaking to that, what has been an epic failure? Is there anything that just completely flopped? To be honest, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, we've had a couple close calls. I think a cool story is the Samlot stuff that we were working on. Yeah, tell that story. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> that's I think a, a movie that kind of defines a generation. I think everybody loves that movie. I think it's maybe even more popular now than it was so, when yeah, it first so came tell out. Tell them how how we landed on Sandlot is yeah. the most interesting. Oh yeah, part. Wait, I don't cool. even know this. Yeah, so well, and just let me explain really quick. You guys have an entire Sandlot collection of clothing. Absolutely. You have, you've got yeah. t-shirts, you've got button-downs, you've got I think all it's a Sandlot. cool story because we can talk about how that idea even came okay. about and then how that really has led the direction of the company moving forward and and everything that we do. It really helped us scale and understand our business model now. So Probably, what was that, three years ago, we put out a poll. And this is when we were really focused only on editorial. We, we really weren't a full-blown um, apparel company at that time, or at least it wasn't our number one revenue generator. But we put out a poll of 
American movies. What is the most American movie of all time was what Ooh. the poll was called. And it wasn't just like hoorah. It was, you know, what movie has the American undertones, you know, the, the themes. Basically, what is the best movie of all time related to America? And it was, you know, in the list, it was Top Gun and, you know, Rookie, the or, uh, the Sandlot was on there and a bunch of other movies. Rambo, like Rocky. 50 movies, yeah, I think it was 50. I remember this list. Upwards of 50 movies. This. So we published that story onto the Roosevelt's and we used social advertising to make sure everybody that checks out our site saw it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we had 15,000 votes for it. So it was wow. a pretty, pretty good uh, survey total. And Sandlot came out on top, like hands down, wow. best one of all of them. You know, we had 15,000 votes spread over maybe 50 movies and Sandlot got like. Forty-eight percent of the well, vote. And Books, yeah. Scores, baseball, you babes. know, iconic characters, <laughs> babes, all that stuff. <laughs> Benny the Jet. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, hot. <laughs> yeah, just just the themes. I mean, it really is, in in my opinion, the the best most American movie of all time. And you know, the '90s are super trendy, mm-hmm. and I think people have that nostalgic flair. So the Sandlot killed it, and. I think from there we just started seeing the audience and, and everything related to that list. And we landed on um, this Hambino design that uh, we thought we might be able to put on a T-shirt. At that time, we didn't know about licensing and you know even how to cut and sew shirts or, or all that. So we basically took that Sandlot uh, top 50 list and turned that into some apparel and put it on the store. And it sold out in like three days. I mean, we didn't order massive amounts of... Uh, of shirts, you know, at this time we were doing cut and sew over in China, but I think we probably sold 500 shirts over the course of three or four days. So I think at that very moment we knew we were onto something. And we started doubling down on Sandlot. So you fast forward about two years, this time last summer, and we have three or four Sandlot designs. Yeah. You know, we're running huge social ads. We're really kind of figuring out the the full force of what our company could become. You know, as an apparel brand. And we're well aware. We're also yeah. well aware that we're infringing. We didn't have a you sandlot. You know, we, we were we knew that there was a gray area, and we didn't call it the sandlot, and we didn't call it the you know ham. We I think we we were trying to be pretty sly about calling it something that would really infringe on um, on the actual movie. Yeah, and at We're the time, I mean, we weren't like, wrong. I mean, we, we looked into this stuff and, you know, with artistic license. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I think we, we knew that, you know, there is a chance that we could get a cease and desist. But from, you know, our standpoint at that time, well, being people that didn't go to college for this stuff, really trying to figure it out on our own, you know, we really didn't know too much about it. So we thought we were okay in terms of the artistic the, license. And I remember, like, Aaron Judge wore one of your shirts on TV in an interview. Yeah, it was insane. That was, um, that was a moment. We, we had some celebrities and some mostly some mostly athletes wear, um, wear our gear and kind of post about it. And I was like, oh, my God, but, that's awesome. Yeah. But it just so happened Aaron Judge hit a 500-foot bomb, and after the game, he wore the great Hambino shirt. And it almost, like, trumped... Like in the in the post game interview, he's wearing it. It almost like trumped his home run because yeah. it was the longest home run of the decade. Yeah, it was like, like bomb. But that's but what it, went that viral. That shirt went viral. That's what yeah. went viral. Um, and I was like, I know those guys. It was the coolest my feeling phone, in the world. My phone was buzzing for like two days straight. Oh my Not, god! Literally nonstop, like twenty four seven nonstop of people making purchases and then also seeing it on ESPN, Daily News. I mean, the media coverage from that alone for our brand was massive. Because it just opened up the Roosevelts to so many people, and people were buying that shirt. But because they bought the shirt and loved it, you know, every they time you wear more. one of our shirts and you wear it around, it's a conversation starter. Yep. People will literally stop you in the street and go, "Oh, sick shirt! Where'd you get it?" So I think that exposed us to a whole new audience. So that was really like, opened the door. That was our pivotal, like, game changer. Right. So that was like a really great high. Absolutely, that was a high. That but was then, a high, and then a month later, month later, maybe, maybe like six weeks after. You know, we're, we're all over the place. We yeah, were, we were in Atlanta. You were in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta. It yeah. was Anthony's birthday. You were actually supposed to fly there. Yeah. So I was in to Seattle. I was driving to the mall in Atlanta because <laughs> we were going to go to like a Braves game. So I wanted a Braves hat. No, we were we were in Uh-oh. Atlanta for another shirt that we had. Oh produced. yeah, the, the it was super soaker. Yeah, we we have we have a right, super, super soaker pattern shirt. And it just so happened we found the inventor of the super soap. Oh yeah, this is um, Lonnie Johnson. He's also a NASA engineer. Yeah, he's an aerospace engineer that just so happened to make the super soaker uh, back the shirt, in the '90s. Right? So was- yeah, he somehow his, his uh, publicist got a hold of the shirt, gave it to him. He loved it. He thought it was hilarious. And then he kind of found out what we did on more of like the logistics and marketing side, and was like, well, "Why don't we have a meeting?" So we were in Atlanta. We went to his amazing facility where he. 
he does like all his legitimate like crazy ass science experiments. <laughs> guys, I'm and he was like, well, I want to do this thing, and it's like the anniversary of the Super Soaker, and I was wondering if you guys could help us out. And we were like, uh, yeah, yeah, like whatever you need, like we're at your disposal. And he's like, oh well, you know what? I still own the patent for the design of the Super Soaker, right? And I was, we were just like, oh, okay. He goes, and you are infringing on <gasps> the design. And we were like, uh, and he's like, but it's cool. He's oh like, my you guys God. Are so we were, you know, it was another, it was like another moment. Like this guy could crush us right now. If he wants I think to. The, the, we, we knew that because of the designs that we have, we were always kind of skirting around, you know, copyright and trademark right. stuff. And, you know, that all came crashing down that on that trip. I almost drove off the road actually and <laughs> died because I, I was at a red light checking my phone and then the red light turned green and I saw an email come through that I could not, not check. It was cease and desist 21st century fox and i swear to god i like my heart fell yeah. to my feet i, I know like, the oh, feeling we oh, always, the we fun's always, over knew, like we always knew this moment could could like come and yeah. it was kind of inevitable that it would eventually come the more sandlot stuff we were producing so mm-hmm. it was just like it was I that feeling I that saw it. Like, i was like <gasps> when you guys told me i was our like, gut dropped because we were crushing yeah. yeah we were um i mean we were you we were riding were, the wave at that we were riding the wave we were selling and more judged. shirts than we ever had you know more and more people were asking about the brand and getting familiar with the brand so we had a lot more customers coming back and then all of a sudden we were just we like we we called our lawyer up and he's like you guys it's like I've, I've been, been telling you, yeah, this, I've been telling you this. It's like you idiots. <laughs> you knew this was gonna happen. We were like, yeah, but I mean, it was good while it lasted. It was awesome. So, yeah. so you you pulled it all up. Well, 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 Fox was cool actually. So I think they appreciated the the design flair that we had, and they they liked the shirts. I mean, it wasn't a matter of us selling the shirts. It was a matter of us not having a license for it. So they didn't want to completely screw us. So they gave us seven days to sell as many shirts as we could. And then we had to take them off the site. Wow. So we, we pushed a lot of shirts. And I think at that moment, we thought that the good times were over. But it just so happened that, um, you know, I think that was our moment where we decided to really grind and try to figure this out. We mm-hmm. didn't want to just give up because we knew we had an awesome shirt great potential with other products that we could, you know, build off that Sandlot line. So we started making phone calls. We, we called this guy who ended up saving our ass because he kind of told us the ins and outs of licensing and said, you know, Fox might actually want to license this from you. You know, you've sold a lot of these things and they might see it as a great uh, opportunity to make extra revenue off a movie that's been, you know, right. on the shelf Forming. for 20 years, 25 years. But, you know, he was very deeply involved in the licensing industry and had, a, you know, a huge career. I mean, he's like the godfather of licensing and he gave us a lot of really good advice and said, don't give up on this. This is an amazing product. Your sales figures are there. You have very streamlined um, logistics. You're, you're a legit company selling a legit product. It's time to start treating it as such. So he gave <laughs> us some advice on how to maybe handle the, the cease and desist, and he connected us with a licensing agent and really kind of held our hand through this whole process because John and I really had no experience with this, and we were a little bit out of our league. So it turns out, you know, that, that shirt from cease and desist bugging out fox actually loved the design we pitched them on getting an official license and they loved it and gave us a, a license to actually start selling the product like, legitimately the, design, right the design was there and the design was really cool but um to pitch to pitch this like this all over print which wasn't i mean it, they were right like, right now the hawaiian shirt's cool right yeah. like everybody's mm-hmm. got these all over print shirts but back then it was they were just starting to trend. So to pitch this crazy but all-over button-down shirt to a company like Fox was kind of a shot in the dark. Yeah. But I think what helped us was the sales figures. So we went in there with all these sales figures and said, listen, like this isn't just a mock-up. People are buying these shirts. Like the proof is in the pudding. Like it, these shirts sell. It would be a shame if they just disappeared. We have the audience. We've, ta- we, we, we've already built out these amazing audience pools and demographics and you know, we hear like more concepts that we have for the future. You just please let us start selling these shirts <laughs> again. Like, yeah. you know, where we have the SEO. If you search Sandlot shirt, like we own that shit on Google. So like logistically, everything was in place. We just like people were like, where the fuck are these? Can I curse on it? Yeah. Where, where, where are these shirts? Like, we know you guys sell these. Where'd they go? You know, so we'd have to send some emails back and just say, oh, you know, we're we're sold out. We're 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 in the yeah. process of making this legit. And. 
you know, yeah, um, just just hold off. So they said right. yes to licensing. Well, so they, yeah, yeah they a lot of back and forth. I mean, we had to make pitch decks. We had to go into meetings with them, show them our sales figures. But we had we a proof of concept. We made forty-two yeah. pitch decks revisions. Yeah. Forty-two. It was it was like two. It was like the summer, and and summer's our bread and butter. Yeah. We, we we honestly couldn't sell shirts in the summer. But at that point, the ball was kind of rolling, and we were making decent money selling our other shirts, you know, like shirts that would last us till, till the fall. And thankfully by then we came to an agreement with Fox and, you know, their, their head of licensing is an amazing guy. And, um, he was all about it. Like he, he helped us. He, he honestly helped us out along, along the way. Um, I think, I think something that we do really well and something Fox appreciated was our, and this is a testament to John and the creative people that we work with. And I, I think also a testament to our marketing but they really appreciated the design elements that we had in our shirts. They're so used to getting these really bland ideas from, I, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but I guess I kind of am, you know, like Target. Target will take a yeah. screen grab from a movie, put, you know, yeah. a line Just, of text under a shirt, and that's yep. it. And that's the level but you're of... you're killing me, small shirt. Exactly. I literally have it from Target. Yeah, it's yeah. So thing. that's the level of creativity that a studio like Fox has got over the last 20 years, you know basically slim to none there there really was no creativity so i do think when fox saw the shirt they were first i mean they even said it they were a little shocked that they saw this popping up on their social feed and they're like well we don't know about this so that's where the cease and desist came from but i think the partnership and relationship that we had with fox came about because it was an original idea They, they really liked our design elements they liked the way we were marketing these shirts and you know, partnering with influencers and getting it into the hands of all the right people. They just thought it was really cool and they thought it was something that they would wear and it really represented the Sandlot brand well. And I think that's how that relationship came about. And, and from that, you know, where our business has now evolved, we saw a formula. We saw a formula for taking iconic moments from these amazing nostalgic movies and turning them into you know, designs and putting them on apparel. So, you know, from that Fox meeting and the license that we got with them, it really opened up the door for us to pitch other movie studios from Paramount to MGM, NBC Universal, and, and take their... Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross. Bob Ross Bob is the Ross. second license we ever got. And it was amazing. We were at a... It's crazy. We were in a cafeteria in Las Vegas meeting with Fox <laughs> about the Sandlot, and our licensing agent goes, oh, there's my friend over there. She represents <gasps> Mike Tyson and Bob Ross. We were like, jackpot. So she flagged the person over, sat no her down. Way. We gave her an on-the-fly, like, five-minute elevator pitch of Roosevelt's. And we said, we've all, we, we actually were talking about doing Bob Ross stuff. And it's like an angel fell from the sky into our lap. <laughs> and uh, she came down. and the we, angel. Yeah, we, we gave her this five-minute pitch about Roosevelt's, showed her some samples. She's like, this is phenomenal. This would be amazing for Bob Ross. And, like, basically on the spot gave us the go-ahead to start doing Bob Ross stuff. It was, it was an amazing chain of events. It was just like... Bob Ross appeared, and within five <laughs> minutes, we had a, a contract written up and ready to go. And, you know, that was the second license we ever got. And the formula of taking these, these nostalgic things, making, you know, amazing designs for them, putting them on unique pieces of apparel, and then marketing them with all the social tactics that we have and influencer marketing, it really was a, a cool formula that we had, and we pitched that to all these movie studios, and it really opened up the door to, you know, do further licenses with some really cool... Yeah, some really cool brands that we're going to be announcing this summer. What? Yeah, we got a lot of things in the work. Okay, so you guys went from uh, making up campaigns, what, eight years? When was that, 2010 you started? 2010. We were traveling across the country going to baseball games. Then you became a men's lifestyle website. Then you We quit our jobs. Quit our jobs. Started a men's lifestyle site. So we were doing, at that time we were juggling, um, (laughs) yeah, we were juggling experiential campaigns, but also creating editorial. Right. So we were doing the same thing, but... It was like we were we were trying to make ourselves into a legit media company that had an editorial arm. Then um, somewhere along the lines, you got an, a sick office. Yeah, well, we, we were working out of our apartment at, in Jersey City at Manila, and then we went to a co-working space, which was awesome. Indie but, Grove, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, for us, you know, we were doing a lot of video production, editorial. We had a writer at that time, and we were spending so much money renting out studios to do video shoots. Like, could we find a place that really has the space that we need that we can kind of turn into our own and... We walked in, and we're sitting in here now, but and it looks great, but when we We've first... We've had New Year's Eve parties here. Dude, though. when we walked into the office that we have now, and you can go online and see the pictures, it's really nice, but at the time when we walked in, it was scary. I mean, there's no other word for it. The carpet was black, it, the windows were busted out, it was really just not a great office, but 
done as with a lot of the stuff that we do you know it comes back even when we get samples of shirts you know we might not like it at that time and it might be a horrific either design or office space but we see the potential you know Mm -hmm. we saw the potential for what this this office could be if we fixed a bunch of the windows and ripped the carpet out and did a paint job and you know from that moment we we signed the, the lease on the spot locked it in and you know i think we turn this office space into something that is a good reflection of what our what our business has become and we'll post pictures but if you're listening it's kind of like the new girl loft if you watch new girl on fox that's what it reminds me of the new girl loft yeah yeah i guess it is yeah we got views of the city it's it's a good spot to work out of i mean it's enough space for us to grow and it just keeps us excited to come back to work you know we're not working out of nothing again there's nothing wrong with working out of your living room i actually Sometimes I miss the days of working out of the living room because there's like a sense of energy and carefree uh, nature that comes with that. You know, those early days of grinding and that entrepreneurship. But But, uh, yeah, we have this pretty sick spot. So that's kind of become our thing. you also have employees now. Yeah, that's so weird. How crazy is that? Yeah, that's the craziest part. It really is. I don't even. I don't even think we're we think of them as employees, just because we uh, we kind of treat them more as peers than anyone else, True. and I think that's important. And I think that's why a lot of people like working for us. Is you know we all get our shit done. We all have roles, and we don't micromanage. So if you don't, you know, you're not going to do your job. Like you can go get a job somewhere else. Like I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, where like when to come in. Just get your stuff done. Just, just, I love it. Just get your shit done, and, and if you have the same fire in your eyes that we had when we started, you'll be with us forever. And I think we've done a very good job of, of curating that and, and bringing on like-minded people who either eventually want to go out on their own and do something and just kind of want to learn how to be an entrepreneur or just like what we're doing and want to be a part of the team because we are, as far as, as, far as I think i mean we're, we're still on the ground floor i mean we've we've been doing this for a long time but we've had to pivot here and there like a lot of entrepreneurs do but that's kind of part of the process and i think it's a hard process and and it's something that we weren't always happy doing but it's i wouldn't even i i'd, I'd describe it as more of like a learning experience right like you learn one thing from doing this like all right editorial we're not we still do editorial but we're not focused on it but what we learned from editorial was advertising right for arbitraging content or, you know, like those display ads that you see, mm-hmm. figuring out how to advertise content was really, really hard, but we got really, really good at it. So now do, using that same strategy that we, that we use on content for a product that we're making decent margins on is now like, not that it's easy, but it's worth it. Whereas, you know, for three years grinding and really figuring out how to hit content and, um, you know, just different articles, we were making cents on the dollar and now we're making dollars on the dollar. So if you look at it that way, it was kind of a, probably the most pivotal learning experience that we've ever had, I would say. Where do you guys see Roosevelt's going? Is it always going to be a parable? Like what's next? Maybe is that old kitchen company going to, kitchen appliances? We really want to make kitchen appliances. Rolling pins. Stainless steel. <laughs> yeah. Rose gold. I don't know. I think, I think of Roosevelt's as, as a brand and that's kind of it. So you know, we're right now we're making apparel, but logistically we can make anything anything we want. You, you know? can as do that our, campaign. As long as our audience is there, yeah. I think we right. want to build a rock solid brand that is is a household name at the end of the day. And I think more so than anything, we want an audience that believes in what we do and truly wants to follow our our story and and you know the just follow along the the history of roosevelt's and see where we go from here and as long as we can keep the audience engaged and enjoying all the products that we're putting out and the content that we do and all the new projects that we work on as long as they're there we'll really be able to do anything that we want i mean you can do that original idea of what roosevelt's was yeah, send 100%. people it's yeah. so weird like the world is and this is so cliche to say but like the world is so small today you can really you can you can figure it out like you can figure out as long as you have this like weird foundation in place where you have somewhat of an organic audience, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like you can you can build this army that will say, oh well, I mean they're making apparel now, but like why can't they make surfboards next year or skateboards what? or you know something else? Like why not? As long as the product and the quality of the product is there, people will believe in you and people will align with your brand. But yeah, yeah I mean it's all about I mean it's all about the ride. I mean you know like being an entrepreneur yes. is like. It's like four fucks and one yes. And a buddy of mine, Jay Schroeder, told me that once. And it's, it's so true. Like, you just say, fuck, 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 yes. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck, 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 yes. But that yes is so worth it. Yeah, no, you're it's right. So, when, that, when that yes clicks, it's worth it. But, I mean, that's part of the ride. It's crazy hearing your story because I've never 
I guess I've never heard the full story and it makes me like even more excited about, you know, loving your brand. And as like a friend, of course, I'm going to love it. But what you guys have created, it's cool for me when I see people wearing your shirts at Safeco at a Mariners game. I freak out and I go up to them like I know them and they must think I'm crazy. Still not used but to you that. But I've witnessed you, Steve, witness people wearing your shirts and you're like, oh my God. Oh, all the time. We were in Austin last year and uh, some kid came up to us. He's like, oh man, I own that shirt. <laughs> I was just like, well, that's crazy. And uh, I made it. Yeah, we, well, we started talking and it was just a really cool cool experience to just see somebody in the wild and you know it happens more and more often now but that was kind of the first moment where I was like oh my god this is real people are actually buying the stuff that we don't know um, and they're wearing it and having the same experience that we do you know if you wear one of our shirts to let's say a music festival you're most likely going to get stopped every hour by somebody just saying hey I really like that design has anyone met their girlfriend because of a shirt oh yeah actually they have some guy some guy Actually, on that same Austin trip, we met him at a bar, and he said, yeah, I'm dating a girl now because of that shirt. She stopped and said, I like the shirt, and he realistically is, is now dating and may one day have kids because of that <laughs> shirt. And I'm kid. sure there are a million stories like that. Yeah. You know, we have enough, enough shirts in the market <laughs> that I, I think that happens probably quite a bit. I think is, now, um, just because wow. it was such like a, a mind-blowing experience, like have someone come up to you. I think it was from that Austin trip, actually. We produce these little golden tickets. Lo- they look like business cards, but they have a promo code on them, and they're, they're actually gold. And they just say, like, Roosevelt's in the wild. Like, thanks for being a, a Rough Rider or Roosevelt's ambassador or something. And we give them out to all our friends, and they just have to carry one or two on them. And if they see anyone wearing our stuff, yeah, I need more. You, um, yeah. all you have to do is give, you know, give that person the, the ticket that says it's 10 or 20% off or something. It's just like, we appreciate you. You're the reason why we do what we do at this yeah. point. Um, Can we make this podcast a golden ticket and give out my promo code? Absolutely. What do you want the promo code to be? Can I do Carla Marie so I can beat Anthony's yeah, promo codes? Yep. Okay, use Carla Marie. So get that done by the time no, I post this. Anthony sucks. No. 20. <laughs> Try both. Yeah. Try either Carla Marie or right, Anthony so sucks yeah, 20. Two promo codes here. <laughs> Carla Marie 20 and Anthony sucks 20. Okay. And let's see, over the course of a month, we'll promote it and see which one comes out on top. And we'll okay. share the uh, results on RSVLTS <laughs> Instagram. Okay, we'll do that. And one thing I always ask everyone favorite app that you guys use for your company that's not Instagram. You can have a different one. Oh, for, our, for our company. Company or... Social or just... No, any app that you use. Or it doesn't have... Actually, it could be anything that helps you. So if it's a meditation app that you use the other day. Anything that helps you be better... I'm going to fire my at, phone. ...at your job. Uh, and that's not Instagram. Okay. My... Can I give a couple? Okay. Can I give you, like, what we've been using that I think have been really helpful? Yeah. You like, team, team drop boxes are amazing because okay. you, it's like a collaborative file drop for, for drop everything box. that you can share across uh, multiple companies because we have, you know, a couple yeah. different companies that we're working with. I'm loving WeChat and Skype to talk to suppliers. You know, Slack is a good team working app. talking about that lately. Which one? Slack? Slack. Yeah. But I think my number one, and I guess this is very e-commerce heavy, but it really is Shopify's e-commerce app. Yeah, I've heard you know, about to that. be able to dive into that and just see, it's amazing. Like I just, I almost look up every single transaction that comes through just to look at the person and see, you know, where they're from and what they bought and how many orders they've purchased from us and you know how many times they've actually visited the site and where they came from. It's just really cool because we don't have a retail store. You know, we don't have you know, brick and mortar in Hoboken. So in theory, it's like, it kind of gets lost sometimes that we actually do have, in in theory, we do have a store. It's, It's the Roosevelt store. It just happens to be online. But to go on Shopify and see, wow, right now there are 42 people on our store. If you really take that mentality yeah that's the thing it's like if we had a brick and mortar store there would be 42 people in here shopping and what are they doing in our store you know what why are they walking out of the store without purchasing anything you know why are they buying this item and not this item so you know the shopify app allows us to kind of dig into the analytics and and put ourselves in the mentality of that one customer and see you know Okay, yeah, they visited a couple times. They came in from Instagram. You know, they bought this item. Maybe we can, you know, in the future send them an email and give them a promo code to buy more stuff. So I really, I guess long and short, I love the Shopify app because it gives you real-time analytics, uh, deeper analytics into customers, you know, where they're from and all this kind of cool data. John, favorite app? Um, Shopify. Def- Shopify is definitely number one as far as running the business goes. As far as creative stuff goes, if you're on your phone, um, an app called Darkroom for photo editing. If, you, if you're not in front of a computer, it's probably the best photo editing app I've used. If you make memes, for not Instagram, 
but for Instagram, yeah. Tank Sinatra's app, Momus, M-O-M-U-S, is very cool and really well put together just for producing social content. And then I guess kind of an ancillary app that's not really associated with running the business, but just so you don't go fucking crazy is uh i use headspace every yes. every single day so you don't think you need to get on i think it's just well i mean could book when it's good it's good but when it's what you know it's a it's a meditation app so could you see me meditating no do you know you who i am still you're the there you know how it gets like ev- i could ever meditate everyone in your office is laughing i would go way. fucking crazy <laughs> dude it's 10 minutes ev- listen great. it is when because yeah, right, when yes. it's night and when it's nice and sunny out like today it's like you don't need it but when it's the dead of winter and shit yeah. is hitting the fan and you're like like staring at the ceiling for six hours out of the night. Like this this app, if you are, you know, if you feel like you're burning out or you have like that entrepreneurial burnout, headspace is okay. where it's at. I like, all right, I've all right. heard yeah, it before. I've heard it. You know what you're I do? A hippie. When I'm staring at the ceiling and like, oh, it's too cold out. I just go on vacation. <laughs> Okay, this is where we're going to end this podcast. This was by far my absolute favorite podcast. I love these guys. I hope you love them as much as I do. Help them out. Check out Roosevelt's.com. That is R-S-V-L-T-S dot com. Follow them on everything at Roosevelt's. And remember, promo codes, Carla Marie 20 and Anthony Sucks 20. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Another episode of Side Hustlers. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.